Hey Jubilee, it's Pastor Jake here. Want to welcome you all. Today is a little different. Uh, as you can see, we're outdoors. Uh, we just had a great worship set. Uh, we're going to go back into some more worship and some time of reflection. But I'm out here with the crew in Douglas County, and, and we're just loving the fresh air. And I bet you are, as you're starting to come out of this quarantine, feel some of that anxiety kind of starting to lift and getting some fresh air is always good. Uh, today, I want to talk to you about rhythm. I want to talk to you about uh, drums. I want to talk to you about the Sabbath. Um, but before we do that, I want to ask you a question. Have you heard the term new normal? I guarantee you have. I know I have. In the last several weeks, it's been kind of described as the, the last several weeks of what we're in. The new normal is going from something that we were used to, a rhythm, a cycle, and moving into something that was a different kind of rhythm. Maybe you're waking up different. Maybe you're eating different. I don't know what it is. Uh, it reminded me of one of my first cars. <clears throat> it was called a Peugeot. And you're like, a Peugeot, what? <laughs> exactly. It's a French car, and, and uh, you can drive it legally on the streets in the U.S. But here's the thing is all the inside kind of gears and mechanisms were flipped because of it, it being European. So I'd go to hit the lights, and the windshield wipers would, would turn on. And, and so I had to get used to this new normal for me. But eventually I got out of that car and I got a new car. And even now, today, I drive, driven, I don't know, 10, 12 cars since then. And I still, in the back of my mind, have this almost uh, muscle memory uh, of going to flip certain switches because I got so used to certain things in the new normal when I got back to normal, it was a little different. And I bet you kind of feel the same. You know, as the quarantine's being lifted and we're starting to move back into what our, our normal was, maybe there's some things during this uh, pandemic, through this um, time of quarantine, that you've picked up some good habits, some things that you can look back on and say, man, um, this is good. Like, we, we, I loved spending time at the dinner table with my family. I loved playing board games. I loved the solitude and reading books, whatever that was. Uh, what is it for you? Take a moment. What good has come out of this, uh, this pandemic? What good practices, what good habits? Have you been spending more time with God? Have you been reading more? Have you been spending more time with the family? What are some of the good things that have come out of this that you hope will translate into the new normal? Why don't you, if you're in any of our chat rooms, take a second and fill that out. Let us know. We want to know what are some of the good things you hope somehow translate into this new rhythm that we're going to call normal. And I'll meet you over in just a bit. You know, one of the things uh, my family kind of experienced that we're hoping kind of translates back into the new normal is spending time uh, with each other. We're enjoying some dinners. Uh, we're playing board games. Um, and actually kind of interacting with each other. And we've really, really enjoyed that. I hope that translates over. Uh, I was asking my youngest son uh, on the couch the other day. I said, man, we've had some good times here, um, you know, during this, dis you know, despite all the stress and the anxiety, um, we've had some good times. And, and, I, and I asked him, I said, do you think that we're gonna take some of this stuff back into our lives, like all of us in general as a culture. And, and he looked at me really quickly and he said, no way, everyone's gonna go back to normal. And I thought, I don't know if that's good. Um, 
I know we're rushing to get back and, and we're, we're anxious about being back in the new normal. But usually when, when people of God transition uh, in life, they're, they're moving through different tensions to grow, to grow in that next stage of life, to prepare for what that next thing is for. And are we really that anxious to get back to the, the old normal? Right? I mean, a lot of it was stressful. And, and here's some facts. Check this out. Uh, uh, an average commuter, they say, this is all pre-pandemic, an average commuter to work experiences more stress than fighter pilots and riot police now. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, get this. Uh, British workers now, um, they figured, have, are actually putting in an extra hour a day compared to Italians and Germans, but that's still an hour less than the average American was spending on a day at work, which is about 8.8 .8 hours. Or how about this? Uh, a researcher, her name was Ellen Galinsky. She interviewed more than a thousand kids, okay? And she asked them, in relation to your parents' work, if you could have one wish to change something about their work, what would it be? And you would think that they would say, time, right? Like, I want more time with my parents, but it was even deeper than that. They said it wasn't time, but I wish my parents would have less stress. Where does that come from? It comes from the rat race, from, from a, a rhythm that's unsustainable. And that's not how we were created. That's not how God intended it to be. I want you to check this out. In, in Exodus chapter 20, verses 18, this is God's instructions. It comes from the Bible, which is our, our life manual, if you will, uh, instructions for living a better life. And here's what he says. This is God's commandment. He says, remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. In six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day it is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or your sojourner who is within your gates. That's pretty much everyone. And he says, for in six days, the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day. And therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. A couple thoughts about this. One, this commandment to honor the Sabbath, to practice the Sabbath, it's one of the 10 commandments. Uh, 613 commandments were given to the Jewish people for, to, to, to best live life. But of those 613, God boiled it down to 10 that really encapsulate all of the 613. God thought it that much of an importance that we have a, a healthy rhythm in our life, a, a practice of ceasing work for a, a set amount of time to, to, to regain your composure, to regain life, that he put it in the Ten Commandments himself. That's important. Uh, other thing to mention of this is it's the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments. And you say, well, why is that important? Well, scholars and, and uh, rabbis will tell you that the first five uh, the last 10 of the 10 commandments, six through 10, are dealing with our relationship with others and how we relate to people around us. But the first five commandments are how we deal and interact in our relationship with God. And God puts it as the fourth commandment. Now this is interesting because this isn't just affecting our lives, our personal lives, 
But I think he's saying maybe it might affect our relationship this way too. That's how important this is. And here's another thing is it's the longest of the 10 commandments, but it's also one of the only commandments that refers to or is referred to as an event. This is interesting. He says, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and he made it holy. We have buildings in the past that we can look at and we can say these are holy. We can have people that have been anointed that we can look at and say is holy. For the first time we see God commands and makes time itself holy. How holy is some of your time? Interesting. The other thing that he points out in this is he makes reference to an earlier narrative when God created the heavens and the earth, right? He said, for in six days, the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Get this, at the very beginning of it all, God is transitioning from a, a, an order of chaos into creation. And in order to bring in this new normal, he begins to create things. And he would create uh, the water and he'd step back and he'd say, it is good. And then he'd create land and he'd step back and he'd say, it is good. And he went in this kind of rhythmic cycle of creating and stepping back, it is good. Stepping in, creating, stepping back, it is good. And he creates even mankind, steps up and he looks back And on the last day, it says that he rested. God, I think, is showing us, even in the very beginning of creation, that rest is important, that Sabbath is needed. I mean, think about this. God is God. He didn't have to stop on the seventh day. He could have stopped on the 12th day, the 20th day, the the 30th day. I mean, imagine 30 days of his creation. He could have done so much more, but he didn't because he stopped on the seventh. He needed a rest. We need a rest. If that is that important in the very beginning of the narrative of the scriptures, how much more important it is for us. I want to show you to how this kind of fleshes out a little more and a little further in, in Exodus. We, we find this story where God not only gives the command to have a Sabbath uh, for us personally in our lives, this rhythm, if you will, of of six days on and one day off. Um, God gives it to the people, but he also gives it in instructions for the land to obey this, that when they uh, cultivate, when they're, when they're uh, growing uh, their, their uh, vegetation and their plants, they're to uh, work the land for six years and then rest on the seventh year, the land itself. But we, were, we know this from many of the rabbis that almost since the very beginning, for almost 430 years, the Jewish people did not do this. And they worked the land constantly, never giving a break. And then this is what it says. We find this weird story in the middle of it. Um, it says that he took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him to do his his sons until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbath. All the days that it lay desolate in, all the days that it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. Now, this is interesting because here it's saying that essentially 
when the people were about to head into exile in Babylon, God said for that 70 years that the land would have its rest until it had received its Sabbath. Why is this interesting? Because we know many of the rabbis will argue that for almost 430 years that they did not obey this commandment. And for every year that God says you don't obey the commandment, you need to administer that year. And he does this. And he does this in the middle of this exile until all the land had received it's Sabbath. If you do the math itself, you'll find out 430 years divided by 70 will we'll get that seven number. Now, I'm not saying that the people of God were exiled into Babylon uh, because they disobeyed the land Sabbath, but isn't it interesting that God thought that much about the land having its Sabbath? How much more for me and you? There's this other story where um, early on when God gives them the instructions, uh, the Ten Commandments, uh, one of them disobeys it. And it says this in Exodus 20, that while the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day, right? So he's out in the wild gathering for, I don't know, a fire, build something, uh, but he's disobeying the Sabbath day. He's, he's working. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation, and they put him in custody because they had, it has not been made clear what, they should be, what it should be done to them. So they knew the Ten Commandments, but they, they didn't know what is the punishment. And so they kind of anxiously waited, God, what are you going to do here? Like, what is the punishment of that? I don't know about you, but sometimes you can understand a, a father or a mother's heart when you understand what the punishment is. And here's what God says. He says, <clears throat> The man, that uh, the man shall be put to death. All the congregations shall stone him with stones outside the camp. And all the congregations brought him outside to the camp and stoned him to death with stones as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now you may say this is extreme and most definitely when you read that at face value, it does seem that way. But what we have here is, is God showing once again the vital importance of this in our lives. It's almost as if I'm telling my kids, here, take these vitamins. I know they taste nasty, but in the long run, this was to better sustain your life. And if you don't, here's the punishment. The punishment never fits ultimately what could be caused by the harm of the act itself. Maybe God is telling us, if the land is that important to receive its rest, how much more important for us to receive that rest God elevates it this high. And I think in the middle of this season, we, we feel this. A lot of pastors that I've talked to said that this is felt in many ways like a forced Sabbath. Like many of the things were put to a halt and, and, and we had to stop. Um, and it wasn't by choice, but yet we're finding some of the health and some of the life that comes out of this time of just sitting and resting and recuperating and ceasing from work for a time. Work is good. It's God mandated, but God is also asking for a rest. I want to show you these drums over here. Now, I'm a little bit of a musician, but you may be asking, 
Why in the world is there a drum set out here? Because I think it best gives us the picture of what God meant uh, with the Sabbath. Um, I don't play a full set of drums. I did take a snare drum as a kid. And I remember emphatically my teacher teaching me as we learned to read the music that these are the notes and you play on the notes, but then there were these little symbols that would be on the paper that were called rests. And the idea was you played on the notes and when you had a rest, you would pause. And here's the thing about rhythm. Rhythm is built on the backbone of a healthy uh, beat. And that beat is created by the tempos that is on and the tempo and the notes that are off just as much. You ask any musician, ask any drummer possible, it is not music by just going on all the time. <laughs> That's just noise. <laughs> but when you add the breaks in at the right time, you can feel intuitively in your mind, you can feel the rhythm because it tells us when to be on and when to be off. And God says, I want you to have a rhythm of six and one, six and one. And you see this rhythm of this, this break that you have. And the difference sometimes, I think, between noise and music is the rhythm that it's created. So that begs us to ask this question. Pre-pandemic, pre-quarantine, you know, what was the rhythm of your life? And here's my question leading into this new season of ours. Is what is the rhythm of your life going to be? And here's the other question is, is it sustainable? Is your life gonna go back to the, or is there gonna be a healthy rhythm put in place? Here's the thing I know that when you put a band together and all the pieces, if the rhythm's not right, the whole band will be off. And if we miss this commandment, if we're not in practicing this, if we're not using this the way God wanted us to, then the whole other pieces can be off as well. Is the rhythm of your life sustainable? What will the rhythm of your life look like going back into the new season? going back into what we used to know. Maybe you say, Jake, I can't, I can't just devote a whole day. I know, I'm the same way. I, I work on, on weekends. I, I don't have my Sabbath then. Me and my wife and family, we celebrate a Sabbath from, from Friday evening to Saturday afternoon, and that's our time, man. And our kids, we love it. We look forward to those, those Sabbaths together when work ceases and we can just enjoy us. What is the rhythm of your life? Take a second as we enter back into a time of worship, reflect on this. What are the, some of the things you wanna take back into this that have given you life? What are some of the practices of this almost forced sabbatical, if you will, this forced Sabbath? What are some of the, the life-giving things that you've gotten out of it that you hope to translate? If you're not intentional about it, it's not gonna happen. I know this, and I think you know it too. Is the rhythm of your life sustainable?